All right, so uh, let me jump into today's message. We are in a series called Devotions. And um, uh, let me get my pages right here. There we go. Wait, no, that's, okay, now. I was like, that's my last page. I can't, <laughs> some of you were like, yeah, start with the last page. <laughs> no, uh, we're in a new series, uh, a series called Devotions, and that we started in the beginning of October. And it's uh, all about exploring and applying the word of God to our lives. We believe that the Bible is the word of God. It's not just a suggestion. It's not just a book of old, like, poems or uh, allegories or whatever. It's the actual word of God uh, that, that he spoke through men. They penned the words of the Bible, and, uh, and we've been given this book the Bible, it's a collection of books, really. And uh, this book contains truth. It is the plumb line for what is true and righteous. And it is the standard of, of, of our lives and, and what and who we believe in. And uh, so what we've done over the last few weeks is we sh we've shared with you some tools. Uh, we actually have it. We can show you on the screen again uh, in case you haven't seen these yet. These are just some tools that we went over the first week in this series. Um, and the first one's the one-year Bible. We've been using the one-year Bible in this series. Every week we are taking a reading, uh, either a reference or a story from the previous week one-year Bibles uh, readings, and we teach them on Sunday mornings, and so that's what we're doing here today. We're going to be in Psalms 100, but, uh, but these are other tools. Again, we want to help you learn how to actually read and study the Bible for yourself. Uh, coming together like this is great, but this is not all that there is about your relationship with God, right? Okay? Uh, there's six other days in the week, <laughs> okay? And so we want to help you, give you the tools, to give you the understanding of how to actually read the Word of God and apply it to your lives on a daily basis. So um, our goal in this series is to grow in our ability to explore. Some of you, you need to rediscover the wonder of the Bible, the, the, the beauty of the Word of God and, and the, the complexity of it, but also the simplicity of the Bible to explore it and then also, of course, to apply it to our lives. And a scripture that we've been using as kind of our mindset is 2 Timothy 3. It says, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man or the woman of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. So without the Word of God... We do not know what is good and what is righteous, and we cannot be trained in those things. And we also will not be complete and equipped to do all these wonderful things that we talk about. We need the word of God. So again, we're going to be in Psalm uh, 100 today. And just a little context around Psalm 100. Uh, it is a, um, a formal call to worship. And it is a call to praise and thanksgiving for God's goodness, love, and faithfulness. Now, what's amazing is the songs that we, we sang today uh, align completely with the, the, the sermon that we have today. Um, it really actually, and, and it wasn't all planned. Uh, it just kind of fell into place. And so a lot of the things that we just sang about, we're going to preach about and we're going to read about. But, uh, but this is Psalms 100, okay, a formal call to worship. It's, it's basically what we even just did here in the beginning of the service where we stood up here and read some, uh, read some verses. This is what the Israelites would do. They would read verses of Scripture. They would memorize them and recite them, and it would remind them of things, okay? And so Psalm 100 is something that reminded them of who God uh, is and was to them at that time, and we read it today in the same exact way. So what we're going to do is we're going to read this, and as we read, remember, we ask three questions. And this has been the core of our, uh, of our sermons each week. We, read, we, uh, we ask three questions. Number one is, what do I learn about God? Number two, what do I learn about people? And then what does God want me to do? And for many of you, I believe 
you're reading scripture asking these questions. And I don't know about you, but doesn't it tilt the way that you read the word? It does. If you actually would take these words, take these, ver- take these questions, and as you read, sincerely ask these questions while you're reading. They're simple, but what happens is you begin to critically read the word. You don't just repetitively read the word without any power, okay? And I want to challenge you, if, whenever you read the Bible, if it just kind of seems kind of boring or kind of dead or kind of stale or you're just kind of like rushed through it, I want to encourage you to simply, come on, cookies on the bottom shelf, y'all. Take these three questions, write them down, and as you read, begin to ask these questions. Because what happens is if you're asking the question, what do I learn about God, it's basic reading comprehension. What happens is you're looking for scriptures that say anything about Jesus, the Spirit, the Son, the Father, you know, God. You're, you're looking for those scriptures. And then whenever you pick out a phrase or you pick out a verse, then you can kind of take, take a second and you say, okay, what is this actually telling me about God? Oh, it's saying that he's good. Or it's saying this is the way that God thinks about this action. Okay, and we begin to learn. And we don't just get into what I think it's the book of Isaiah talks about that God hates, which is routine, just rote religious rope that has no power and it doesn't affect our lives and it doesn't help us to know God. And so, so with that, we're going to read some verses and then we're going to ask these questions. Uh, Psalm 100 verse 1. Make a joyful noise to the Lord all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. For the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever and his faithfulness to all generations. I cannot help but read these scriptures and think about when I was like in third grade. I was memorizing these things. You know, we were, we were in a Christian school, so we always had to memorize scripture. And uh, so I remember I memorized these scriptures. Of course, it was the KJV back then. And uh, so there was a lot of these and nows and, and it was some confusing things. Um, by the way, uh, I was talking to somebody recently and, and, and actually a few different people that I've talked to. And, and some people have trouble reading the Bible because they're like, I don't understand what it's saying. And, and uh, come to find out they were reading the KJV. Nothing's wrong with the KJV. However, there are some other translations that if you read it in those translations, it's a little bit easier to understand, okay, and kind of receive from. Uh, I, I personally like the ESV. I think it's a great translation. It's easier to read but also very, very uh, uh, accurate and, 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 and good to read. So anyway, um, just a little nugget there for some of you. You're like, wow, okay. I don't have to read in complete confusion all the time. But uh, so we read these scriptures, and it's talking about joyful noise, and it's talking about serving the Lord. And, and what happens is if you just read these scriptures and you don't begin to kind of, again, pick out certain phrases or verses or begin to see the rhythm, because this is like a poem, okay, a song. If you don't begin to see the rhythm of what's going on, then it just kind of becomes a big conglomeration of things. So let's kind of jump in and parse this apart for a, just a couple minutes. Number one, the question is, what do I learn about God? Well, we read in verse 3 and 5, it says, know that the Lord, he is God. Okay, he is God. And then it says, for the Lord is good and his steadfast love endures forever and his faithfulness to all generations. So we see that the Lord is God and he is good. The Lord is God. He is creator. Okay, he created everything that we see and know and touch and feel, right, all the things that we experience. God created 
He created the way for us to procreate. He created food. He created all these things. And what we see in the Bible in the beginning is that God creates this, these things. And then he says it is good. Okay. God created a, a creation that was good. It was optimal. Everything was in order. There was shalom. Okay. That's another way of, of saying it. There was peace. There was order. And, of course, we know that sin corrupted that creation. And now here we are. Uh, in 2022, dealing with the effects of that still here today. But we know that he is good. He is creator of all things. He's all powerful. He's all knowing. He's all present. Come on. These are, these are the immutable characteristics of God, things that he alone possesses and we don't possess. I am not all powerful, okay. I am not all knowing. Some people think that they are those things, and they are not, okay. They are not all good, okay. We are not omnipresent everywhere at one time. But God is. And the good thing is that he is those things, but he is also good. I'm grateful that the God that we're talking about, who is creator over all things, is also a good God. Can you imagine if he wasn't? You know what I'm saying? You see, by us knowing that God is good, then we can trust him. But if I don't know that God is good, I can't trust him which is actually a lot of people's issues today. You see, whenever you don't see God as good, and then you begin to read the word of God with that filter that he is not good, then what you begin to see and how you begin to read is a, is a wrong perspective of who God is. It's what we really taught about even uh, in Loving Logic in the last couple of months, our last series. We talked about how we look at God, how we, and, and, and really the church is kind of becoming split down the middle on, on whether God is actually good. And the way that people read the word of God. There's people that you can listen to nowadays who talk about how Jesus was not uh, perfect. Okay, that he, did, he, he actually was sinful. And that he actually did all these things and said all these things that were wrong. And he had to repent to people. And it's an inaccurate view of God. It's an inaccurate reading of scripture. And it doesn't just stop there. It devolves it devolves all of Christianity into this humanistic type of approach because it humanizes God. God is not a human like you. All right. He is perfect. He is good. And, uh, and I'm grateful that he is good. But I have a question, very simple question for you. Is Do you actually believe that? Do you actually believe that God is God and that he is good? Some of you maybe at some point in your life did believe that and now you're at a point where it's hard for you to believe that because you go through things. You go through things. You see things. You, you experience certain things and it causes you to doubt whether or not God is actually good because people say a lot of things too, right? Think about whenever Peter and, and uh, Jesus were talking and, and Jesus says, hey, Peter, you know, what do, what do people say? who do people say that I am? And Peter says, well, they're saying you might be this prophet, you might be this person. I mean, rumors are going around about all these things. And so they have a little conversation about that. But then Jesus looks at Peter and he says, that's great. But Peter, who do you say that I am? Who do you say that I am? Now, Peter responds properly. He says, you're the Christ. You're the son of the living God. And Jesus then says, you know, flesh and blood has not revealed this, but my father in heaven. You know, like that's, that's something that you didn't just get from people. God has revealed that to you. And you know what? Each and every single one of us, we have to have that moment. We have to have that revelation. And uh, I can't make that for you. Parents, you can't force your kids to have a revelation of who God is. You can create an environment and you can communicate and love them and be a good, great example. 
But you know what? That revelation of who God is is a massive revelation, but it's also a very spiritual one. So do you actually believe that God is good, or have you forgotten who God is? Have you forgotten? One thing I see a lot in my own life and in other people's lives who have been in the church or been around God, you know, God things and environments a lot is sometimes we kind of forget who we're worshiping. We kind of forget the bigness of what we're involved in, but also who we're, who we're worshiping, who we're serving. That God is big. Come on, Aaron Vogel just a few weeks ago, I don't know if you, you, know, if you weren't here, you missed a great sermon, go back and watch it. But, but he taught on the, 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 the bigness of God. Like how big he is and, and consequently how small we are. <laughs> right? But yet we think we're a big deal. But God is in control. He's sovereign. He's good. So again, that's kind of the first step. So then the next question would be, what do I learn about people? Well, we learn that people are made by God. They're made to belong to God and with a deep need for God. These scriptures said this, it is he who made us and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Come on, he's our creator. He's our shepherd. He's a good God. He's a good shepherd. But we are his creation. And we are incomplete without him. I think that this is a big concept that a lot of people also, maybe we, we, we miss. We were created by God, but we were also created by God to need God. Okay? I don't know about, about you, but I need love and peace and joy. I need, there's certain things I need in my life in order to feel whole and complete. And I would say that every single human on the face of the planet wants those things, right? We want, we want stability. We want security. We need hope. One of the worst things that you can lose or you can have, I should say, you can have is hopelessness. Because when you lose hope, what is the point? Nothing but nihilistic thinking. That's it. And we live in a culture now, nowadays, honestly, it's, it's pretty nihilistic. It's pretty tough. It's a pretty negative culture. It's, it's, it's what's the point of all this? There is no hope. And whenever you lose hope, you lose the point of, of life. But we were never supposed to find those things in this creation. And that's what happens. We're either focusing in on creation or the creator. That's our only two options. And, and so we're trying to pull out of creation love and joy and peace whenever God is those things. So we were created, some people say it this way, and, and you might think it's cliche. I actually think it's got a lot of truth to it. You, you have a God-sized void in your heart. I, I'm like, I actually, I, I kind of agree. Right? And some of you, that, that actually describes your life right now. You have this black hole inside of you that's just sucking in entertainment. I don't know, different things, whatever it is to try to fill that void, to try to fill that, that emptiness. And it works for a while, but then all of a sudden it runs out of gas. And then you're looking for something else. It's because you want something that this world can't offer. You want something that you were created to need, but you were created to need God. He is love. He is peace. He is true joy. And so we're created by God to belong to God and with a deep need for God. But he also says that we are sheep. Come on, how many of you love to be called sheep? You know? Sheep. Now, now uh, let's just be honest for a second. Okay, everybody put your pride down. 
because you just got called a sheep. I am as well. We're all sheep. Sheep are dumb. All right. Can we all agree? Sheep are dumb animals. All right. A few things I looked up this week. Sheep are lost without a shepherd because sheep will walk in circles, not eating until they die. They're dumb. Sheep, sheep often think grass is greener on the other side. And so what happens is they'll, they'll start looking through the fence and they'll get stuck in the fence. Because they're like, man, that looks really good over there. I tell you, that's, that's greener. I look here. It's, I mean, it's green, but it's not that kind of green. And then they try to go and then they re- it's not that green, but then they get stuck in the process, right? I saw a video last week. Of a she- you know, if a sheep falls on its back, it actually, how many of you all know they get stuck on their back? Anybody else? I didn't know that until this week. This guy's like, he was, he's, I don't know, he's like from Ireland or something. He's like, hey, or I'm not going to try to do an accent because it's going <laughs> to end up being a bad accent. I, I'm terrible with accents. But anyway, it'll end up being like Cajun or something. But, uh, but anyway, he's like, you can see here this sheep. He's on his back. And what's happening is the gases are collecting and blah, blah, blah. And eventually, he's, he's actually lethargic right now. And if we don't roll him over, he's going to have a heart attack and die. I'm like, no way. So he grabs a hoof and he pulls it over. And it like gets up and it's like. Like literally, you know, it, it tried to get up, but it was like stumbled over and kind of rolled over. It's hilarious. You got to go watch it. But, but uh, they're they're dumb. They're dumb. Sheep, when their wool gets wet, uh, a lot of times it attracts blowflies, and these these flies they they lay maggots in their fur, and then the fur begins to eat parts of the sheep. So I'll just leave it at that. You can go Google that later. And uh, anyway, it's pretty gross. And it, they get infections and lots of complications. So I'll, I'll just leave it at that. And uh, why? Because they're helpless, man. They're helpless. Actually, I have a video to kind of even more illustrate the helplessness and this, honestly, just how dumb sheep are. Let's go ahead and roll that. Look at that thing. Helping them out. Look at that shepherd. Helping them out. I'm free. I'm free. Boop. <laughs> oh, it's good. And then the process starts all over again. Look at this. Thank you so much for your help. You know, because sheep are dumb. They're dumb. Come on, y'all. How many of you, that is a perfect illustration of your life? I mean, you get out of trouble, you know what I'm saying? You get some help, and then you just jump right in the trough again. <laughs> We're sheep. And, he, and God's like, you need a shepherd. You need somebody to help you. And he's like, I am that shepherd. I am the good shepherd. We need a, sh- we need a shepherd, you know. I need a shepherd. And so the Bible talks about in Psalm 23, right? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And all throughout scripture, you're going to read about, about shepherding and you'll see sheep. Jesus talks about, he says, my sheep hear my voice. They know me and they follow me, right? This, that's us. We need a shepherd and God is our shepherd. And we follow him. But you have to be humble. Some of you are like, I don't like getting called dumb. You know, even when I said it, you're like, I didn't come to church today to get called dumb. I don't appreciate it. You know, okay, okay, I'll say it differently. We're... We're sometimes we're dumb. We're we're uh, I can't say it differently. We're we're just you know we need help. And man, today we got to realize what I learned about people. Or this verse tells me that we need she- we need a shepherd. We need a shepherd, but we must be submitted to that shepherd, right? 
We have to have a heart of brokenness and openness to be submitted to that shepherd. He's a good shepherd, though. Again, he's a good God. He's a good shepherd. Sheep are prone to wander off, though. But God brings us back. Psalm 78 says this, talking about the Israelites, says they forgot his works and the wonders that he had shown them. Sheep are also very forgetful. And what happened is God would help his people out time and time again. We shared this last week when we talked in the book of Jeremiah. But God would help out his people time and time again and they would forget. A generation would pass and they would forget the goodness of God and then they would wander off. Sheep wander off. So sometimes we forget who God is and then other times we forget what God has done for us. Have you forgotten what God has done for you? Have you wandered off? Have you strayed away from the place that you were with with God? You were at with God. Some people sometimes, whenever I say what God has done for you, they immediately, I know some of your minds went immediately to like things in the last few weeks or months or maybe in your life. You're like, okay, God blessed me. Well, he blessed me with a home. Okay, he's blessed me with a great family. He's, man, God, the things that God has done for me. And, and I would say that all those things are true and we should be grateful for those things. But I, I want to kind of drill down a little bit further because for some of you, you're looking recently and you're like, well, God hasn't done much for me. It's been, it's been tough. It's been a bad season. I, 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 like I'm, I'm having trouble kind of reaching and, and grabbing. And I would say it's because whenever we ask that question, it's a lot of times we're looking for something like that we can put our hands on, right? And, and, and I want to challenge you to think a little bit deeper because here's the deal. There's one thing that God has done for us that is the greatest thing he could have done for us. And it's found in the gospel. It's the good news of Jesus. And the fact that we, again, like we talked about a second ago, the world broken in sin... Okay, we all inherit that sin. We're inherently, uh, 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 we have a, a disposition that's against God, okay. We have sin in our hearts and we need redemption from that sin. And Jesus, y'all, God who created everything, submitted himself to his own creation <laughs> to come and die in our place for us to set us free from the power of sin and death in the grave. Right, and, and so if you can't think of one thing that God has done for you, I want you to remember the main thing that God has done for you in Jesus. That's what we sing about. That's what we pray about. Every day you need to remind yourself about the good works of God and what he's done primarily in the person and the work of Jesus Christ. It is a source of humility and strength. So this is what happens whenever you read scripture though, right? You ask the simple question, what does God what do I learn about God? What do I learn about people? You anchor yourself to truth. And the last question is, last question is, what does God want me to do? What does God want me to do? Well, I believe based upon these scriptures that God wants us to praise him. All right? God wants us to praise him. Now, whenever we say praise, uh, because we're in church and I say praise, we automatically think about what we just did here in this room. And that is a large component of it. And I'm going to drill down in, in, in a second into that. But praise is bigger than that. All right? Praise is bigger than that. In, in Psalm it says, make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Verse 4, enter his gates with thanksgiving, his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and bless his name. And so these verses describe uh, the way that we should approach God, right? Joyfully, with gladness, with praise and thanks. And, uh, and a lot of times, instead of praise, we say worship. 
So just for a moment, just for a second, let me just talk about these two words, praise and worship. Um, there's actually not a word, because whenever we say worship, a lot of times, just like praise, we kind of think about music. But there's actually not a word in the Bible for worship, uh, for music that describes worship. Worship, again, is just like praise, is bigger than that. Worship is something that you do every day. I don't know if you know this or not, but you're always outputting worship. Because worship is about putting value on someone or something. It's ascribing value to something. That's what worship is. And so actually, we're, we're kind of always worshiping. I don't know if you know this or not, but you got up this morning and you were, you were living a life of worship in some way, shape, or form. It's really a lifestyle. It's personal, but it's also a lifestyle of worship. And um, the Bible talks about how our, our life is really a sacrifice of praise. That the way that we live is as if we are offering up a sacrifice to God. The question is, is that sacrifice pleasing or not to God? Is it also a sacrifice that he's even desiring? Because we, we saw with uh, a, uh, uh, Cain and Abel that Cain offered up an offering that was not what God desired and Abel did. So we could be thinking sometimes that we're offering up a lifestyle of worship that God desires and he's like, actually, I didn't ask you to do any of that. You know? And so what about praise and worship? Well, worship is this, I, I kind of think of it like it's, it's this heart position of how I live my life. And praise is the external expression of that. We praise a lot of things, all right? We praise our children if they do something good. Great job, you know, little Tommy, you know, great job. We praise other people. Hey, man, that was a good job, you know. We, that's, that's praise. That's public affirmation or you're expressing your affirmation of someone and what they're doing. So worship is, is, there's a heart of worship, but then there's the expression of worship, which is praise. And whenever we talk about that, and we talk about what we do here in this service, in this corporate gathering, in this setting, whenever we talk about praising and worshiping, this entire service is all about worshiping God and praising God. We gather, and one of the primary things we gather to do is to worship God, but we don't just worship him with music. We worship him. Right now, we are worshiping him. Like this is an act of worship. The teaching of the word, right? The fellowshipping. Did you know that that gathering together and in one accord, okay, and, and then like interacting with one another, praying for one another. Did you know all of that is worshipful? It's ascribing value to God and his word and his, his instruction to us. So everything that we do is worshipful whenever we gather together. But it's not just about what we do when we gather together. It's a both and thing. So when we talk about praise, when we talk about praise, there's, and we just read these scriptures, but it's making a joyful noise and singing and, and, and there, all these words, you see, you see this word praise. That word praise is one word, but there's multiple words that, that are, are used in, especially Psalms, that uh, talk about praise. There's words that talk about praise that is talking about lifting up your hands, clapping, shouting, singing, right? There's, there's a lot of different words, and they're all wrapped up in this word praise that we use. And I, I just want to encourage you with something. That what we did a second ago is we were praising God with music. And for a lot of us... We were lifting our hands and we were clapping and, and we were doing some, we were expressing praise to God. And you know what I, I find unfortunate or interesting also is that when it comes to outward expression 
of excitement around something. If we are at a football game, all right, or if we're at tailgate Sunday in the back, uh, and our team scores, and people clap and shout, even lift up their hands, right, and do all these things in an environment like that, maybe a concert or whatever, right, nobody bats an eye, nobody feels awkward. Actually, you feel awkward if you are not doing that. Am I right? You know what I'm saying? Could you imagine you're standing there with a Saints shirt on, you're at the Saints game, they score, everybody goes crazy, and you're just like, People are like, you okay, man? You all right? Yeah, I'm, I'm good. Did you see what just happened? <laughs> yeah, yeah, we scored. <laughs> you know? <laughs> How much have you had to drink? You know what I'm saying? It's like, it's like did you, I mean, what's going on here, man? <laughs> you know? But in church, right, it's like, man, thank you, Lord. Yeah. Why are you cla clapping? <laughs> well, you know, it's, I mean, the song, and like what we're talking about, you know, God, the cross, and hope, all that. I mean, yeah, but you don't have to, like, make a scene. <laughs> it's, kind of, it's kind of, you're kind of distracting me a little bit, you know what I'm saying? It's like, I just always found that interesting that in one setting, external expression of praise, because y'all, praise, that's what it is, right? I mean, come on, if we score, wah. By the way, praising something, is, it's not always idolatrous, okay? Like, yeah, I praise my child, like, great job. I'm not worshiping my child, okay? Like, like in that way. But, um, but I'm just talking about the expression, and I just want to challenge that in some of our thinking, in our, in our thought processes today, is, is why is that? Why is it that we have no problem expressing praise for musicians or for, you know, athletes or for whatever else? You know, a movie that we really liked, you know, the, the credits come up and, and it's an anticipated movie. Everybody's like, yeah, who are you clapping for? The person that wrote the movie isn't even in the room. You're clapping at a screen. It makes no sense. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> But man, we, we come into the, into the church and we're singing eternal truths about a living God, the creator of everything that we see, know, and, and know, and, and who, has, who has redeemed us out of the pit, y'all. And, and we feel like it might be a little bit too much to, I don't know, maybe clap or sing loud or lift up a shout of praise. You know, sometimes we say this, come on, church, let's just lift up our own song of praise. Like, that's, this verse, that's what we're talking about, man. Make a joyful noise to the Lord. Come into his presence with singing. Right? Sing a new song unto the Lord. All, and go, just go read Psalms. It's all throughout. What we do in this setting when we gather together is not weird. It's not awkward. Okay? It's biblical and it's beautiful. And by the way, we're going to be doing that in some way, shape, or form for all of eternity. All right? Come on. And so this is the last thing I'll say about this. And let me give you a heads up. We're going to sing a couple more songs here in just a moment, kind of out of response to what we're talking about. But if you... If you stand in, a, in a, a service like this as, we, as we're worshiping God with music, and if you stand and, and you feel nothing, and, and, and it, you just feel kind of dead, or you're just waiting for it to get done, 
I want to challenge, or, or if you even feel like it's maybe more of like a concert, because it's not a concert. I could go on and on, and we could talk about lights and all the different things. Um, let me tell you something. Whether or not you're on the side of a hill with just a guitar and people gathered together just to sing, or whether you're in a, in a room like this with, with speakers and all this kind of stuff, the heart of worship that someone has is expressed in the same way. I've been in rooms where it's a cappella and there's people who are like, and there's others who are singing and expressing their heart to God. But it's the same way if you go to a, a worship concert, all right, you know, you go see an artist and, and it's a worship environment. Because it's not honestly about the environment, it's about what's going on in your heart, okay. And so, but, but, but we do certain things to just try to set an environment that's conducive to just distractions. It's why we lower the lights. We don't lower the lights so it's cooler, I don't know about you, but man, sometimes it's just, it kind of puts the distractions aside, you know, right? Why do we turn the lights off when we watch a movie? So we can see the TV better, right? So we, it's just put, you know, people are walking around, we want it. There's just, there's a lot of things that are not that deep and we kind of make them deep, but it's really not that deep. It's, it's, but, but cut through all of that, put all that aside. It's me standing or sitting and there's a song that's being sung that's declaring truth. What am I feeling? What am I thinking? And am I using this moment to worship God? Am I using the tool of music in this moment to express praise to God? Or is it just empty and dead inside? And if so, I want to encourage you in the next few minutes here to pray, to ask God, God, what's going on in my heart? Why do I not feel affection for you? Why do I feel excitement for the things of this world, but I don't feel excitement for you? God, what is going on? Because God desires us to love him. By the way, kings used to make people worship them, right? Praise them, kiss my ring, you know, bow before me. And they did that out of fear. God, they demanded it out of fear. God desires praise from us, but he desires it out of love. He's like, look what I have done. Look how faithful I've been. Come on, y'all, the only response we can actually give that makes sense is praise. And that's why we do this. That's why we do this. And so what do I learn about God? What do I learn about people? And then how does God want me to respond? God, God wants you to worship and praise him in the way that you live your life. Come on, let's bow our heads. Let me pray for you. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for today. God, that in this, in this moment, God, you've given us an opportunity again to, to read, to understand, and God, to be changed by your word. Father, we thank you for Psalm 100. God, it is an imperative statement. God, it's not something that we're forced to do, though, Lord, because of your love and your graciousness and your compassion. God, we see praise as our only obvious response. So, Father, we praise you right now. We thank you for your goodness and your faithfulness. God, we thank you for the cross of Jesus where we find redemption, where we find peace, wholeness. God, that we can come to your throne of grace with boldness. God, right now I pray for every person here. If there's anyone here who does not know you, Lord, I pray that right now that you would reveal yourself to them. God, that you would make your word come alive in their life, in their heart. Come on, if that's you and you're just far from God, come on right now, just surrender your heart. Just say, God, I, I surrender my life to you. Everything that I am, I repent. I turn from those things that I know displease your heart. I turn to you. We thank you for the cross, God, and we worship you and we praise you.
Come on, let's stand at our feet. Let's just keep this attitude of, of prayer. God, as we sing these songs to you, God, we are praying for your presence to fill this place. As we enter into your gates, to your courts, with praise and thanksgiving, God, I pray that you speak to your people. As we minister to you, that you would minister to us. Lord, help us to remember your goodness. Help us to remember your faithfulness. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's worship.